Welcome along to the Wise Men Say podcast where we are going to brush over a 1-1 draw for Sunderland in the first round of the FA Cup. The glory days are back everybody. Um, myself and Gareth Barker are joined by James Hunter from the Chronicle. Good evening. Good evening. Been a while since you've been with us, or since you've been with me, I think you pointed out. It's been a while. Yeah, it's like you've been enough. avoiding me. It's like <laughs> enough, as per usual. Which is brings us on to the next bit. <laughs> Seamless. Yeah, Seamless. Yeah. Um, so a little bit of an announcement. Um, you always have to say we're delighted to announce, don't you? When when something happens that you do, that's a thing that people put on social media. Um, but yeah, we are pleased to announce that we've got got a little bit of a partnership deal going now with uh, from the terraces. I'm sure you've seen them on. On Twitter, they're a, a local company that sort of basically produce um, sort of casual wear um, for people to wear at the matches. Um, so it's a fellow fan to show the colours, home and away, don't want to wear a football strip and, and from the terraces was born from casual culture scene and, and they sort of create stylish, affordable, quality casual attire. And we can testify that, Stephen, because we've had a pair mm-hmm. of the tops for a little while. Um, the website's... Uh, from the terraces.co.uk, so get yourself over there. And if you use the code WMS10, um, you'll get 10% off your order. What a treat. Get your orders in early before Christmas, exactly. Because well, he was saying he was <coughs> expecting to not yeah. be able to help people out if you start yeah. getting to like mid December and early December. Yeah. So, before the before between now and the end of the season, we'll be sort of working with them to sort of bring you a variety of different promotions. Um, so make sure you do use that code WMS10 um, over at uh, from the terraces.co.uk. And the other thing, live show tickets, I do at the beginning rather than the end because people have probably switched off by yeah. then. Um, there's not many left. Um, so we're very close to selling out, close to capacity. There's still a month to go at the show. Um, WMS 500, we're calling it, because it's our hopefully will be our 500th podcast, although the, the Bristol Rovers game might have <laughs> messed that up a bit. We might have just put a random one in there shoe somewhere. Shoehorn one in. Shoehorn one yeah. in. Quantity, not quality. Um so yeah, make sure you get your tickets for that Friday the 6th of December. Tickets available through wisemensay.co.uk. We're joined by Stephen Elliott. Um, Matthew and Rory are going to do something, apparently. Um, so yeah, get yourself along to that. We'll be delighted to see you there. There will be beers available. Definitely beers available. Did I say where it was? I didn't, did I? Fausto no, coffee. That's terrible. <laughs> People yeah. already know, see. Yeah, yeah. From the terraces pulling out of the deal after I can't even promote our own thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're not. WMS10 from the terraces.co.uk. Mm. Go there. Yeah. Talk about chilling and 1 1. Will that, de- will that deal between us and from terraces just our business and nobody else's business? <laughs> so I just thought I'd get that one in there. Um, so the g- <laughs> you commented on, on social media, James. Uh, social media, which is everything to some people. It's the world. Um, it's the world. It's totally representative of uh, every single fan base in the country, of course. Um, and you should definitely go out and hide if you get um, some people saying nasty things to you. Anyway, uh, you com- you commented on there about the game at the weekend, um, and that just the whole thing seems like it's in a bit of a bad place at the moment. <laughs> Let's start about the football first. Yeah, um, it was worrying, I, I thought. It wasn't just the, the football either, and, and you know the 1-1 against Gillingham. I mean, two League One teams, draw 1-1, Sunderland play poorly. I mean... You know, it's it's going to happen. Standard fair, isn't it? It's it's fairly standard fair. Um, it's it's going to happen. Let's face it. Uh, it was more the the sort of overall um, the atmosphere and the uh, sort of surroundings, really, the context that the game was in. Now, obviously, there were just under eight thousand people there. It's not a record low attendance. I don't blame Sunderland fans for not being inspired by the early rounds of the FA Cup, um, but it just the. The atmosphere within within the stadium, with large parts of it shut off, 
with no perimeter advertising switched on, players' lounge locked up, executive boxes, you know, um, locked up as, as well. It just felt very, very um, downbeat, and and it it really did sort of it, it made a bit of an impression on me. Really, it, 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 it shocked me a, a little bit just to just to sit there and and see it. I mean, the I get why the they do what they do with the ground. Uh-huh. And I'm not we've, saying We've that. called for that yeah. before. I yeah, can but, understand that. But it, it doesn't feel like a proper game. And I think that, you know, if you look at the games that we've lost at the Stadium Light over the last 18 months, one was in the League Cup, yeah, it was a higher opposition against Sheffield Wednesday. We lost against, you know, the under all the, all the stadium was open against the under-23s in the checker trade. And then, oh, sorry, leasing.com, whatever you want to call it, we lost to Walsall um, in the replay. Um, and we obviously lost... Sorry, we drew at the weekend, but it, felt, it feels like a defeat for some reason. I don't know why. I mean, it, we, we, as you say, we, it's not standard fair for a 1-1 draw in League One against a bang average team after not playing well enough in the game. Um, but yeah, just I, I, th- I really think that closing the ground off, I think it it does make it feel like it's not a proper game. Like it, like and. I think that does have an effect on the players. I'm not making excuses for them. Yeah. And it's the same for both teams and all that. And we have won, you know, AFL trophy get AFL trophy games in that environment. So and we got the final last season. So some people say, Well, you're talking a load of rubbish, but if you got one of those games, tell me that feels like a proper game of football. Because it doesn't. I mean when the score, like people don't even I mean, don't even feel like you can get up and celebrate a goal. It just feels like you're watching a a scratch game or something like that, you know, it's not it, it is it is bad, isn't it? It's one it's one of the one of the the unavoidable things about having a forty eight thousand seat stadium and entering the FA Cup in the first round. You know, the, the two things don't don't go together. You know, you're always going to get a low attendance for a first round game at home, because you know the the best team that you can face is is a team that's at the top of League One, basically at, at arriving at that level. Yeah. I mean, Sunderland have only. Um, been in the first round of the um, FA Cup three times. It's the second time they've been drawn at home. The previous time they were drawn at home was in 1987. Played Darlington. They got 16,000 fans at Roker Park, but of course that had the added added ingredient, mm. ingredient of, of the local angle, which you don't have with Gillingham. It was an early kickoff, um, so the Gillingham fans had very little incentive for, for travelling all the way from Kent to to come up here for a, for a one o'clock kick-off, did they? I mean, you don't want to, like, it's a stage, saying to the lads I was at the game with, it's like, you don't want a, a home draw in the cup because... Never. It's, it's In any of the cup, in no. any of the cups, I never want us to play at home. Because you know the atmosphere is going yeah. to be like that. And to be fair, though, I, I do feel like we don't want to rewrite history because we, we've criticise them when they've opened the oh. full ground before because that can be worse in my yeah opinion. but you can do it you can you can you know I don't want to get in that discussion because we've had it before and you know it's it's easily unpickable and it's about opinions and you're right they have we have called for that and they've done it but there's other ways you can do it you know you close the corners at least you could open like one behind the goal and like one down the side so you give people the, the opportunity to choose um, you know where the where they can sit at least um, and it keeps those people who want to, you know, be in the Roker end together um, for for the atmosphere. Um, but yeah, I mean, the game was just, you know, obviously if Maguire takes that chance just before half time, going two and a up, we're probably not, you know, feeling like we do at the moment. But you know, I never thought, <coughs> you know, this time last season, 
would be sitting here now, you know, two wins and seven for Phil Parkinson and all in all competitions, having lost to a team of children, you know, and then, you know, drawn, you know, in, in the half empty stadium. Well, I mean, four fifths of a full stadium. Or, I think, know. I think that's the thing. I think, you know, we had, I think we're looking at Saturday in the context of everything else, aren't we? I think, um, had Sunderland not have lost against Leicester's under 21s in, in midweek, you know, which was a humiliation by, by any standards. Um, no slight on Leicester, by the, by the way, just a senior team um, of, from from Sunderland should should never lose oh. to an under twenty one mm. team from any club, um, and then obviously the, there was the the, the grind of, against Southend in in the league the, the week before, where yes they they won and kept a clean sheet, wonderful, but it didn't look like the performance of a of a team that that's in the running for automatic promotion. I think you know the <coughs> it was a very chastening week. I thought. Leicester, I mean the Leicester thing. I was thinking I was at the game and I was thinking back there, you know, previous encounters with. With Leicester and you know, and especially in recent years where we had that nil-nil draw, where you know we we ended up uh, both ended up staying up, I think after that game, didn't we? Under when we had that very right. brief resurgence under David Moyes, where we won three and five games. One of them mm. was Leicester. You know, Duncan Watmore had a great game that day. I think he actually might have done his knee in that game. I think he did. Yeah. yeah. And there he is now. You know, three years later, toiling against Leicester under twenty threes. Have a terrible game. Under twenty ones, and and it's, you know, it's depressing because you think this is how far we've fallen. And all people say you got to take your medicine and all that, but you know, you take medicine to get better. And at the moment, I'm not seeing any of the medicine taking effect. To be honest, instead of just, you know, it feels like we just it's a placebo. It's not a medicine. We're just wallowing. You know, you're pretending that everything's going to be okay in the end. You know, I feel I feel as though a little bit top to bottom. We've accepted that we're a League One club, mm. and some people might say it's arrogant to say otherwise, but we're not because we've only spent two and a half seasons of our time and our history in that division. Um, so if you start thinking that way, I think our standards, are, to be honest, to be brutally honest, are slipping. Didn't say in. got relegated at the Premier League two years ago, wherever it was, and which was a good idea, according to some people. Remember. And go and, down and rebuild. And um, not that far down. Calm down, lads. You've gone too far. And before, so before we got relegated out of the Championship, said this many times before. The lowest in the football pyramid, Sunderland had finished, was third in the Championship from 1995. Now that's a long old time being nowhere near the bottom of the Championship. Never mind League One. I'm not having this idea that you just oh we will just settle for it. If Man United get relegated. And they have a freak season. I mean, they're not doing very well. But say they just suddenly go off a cliff after Christmas and get relegated. Are their fans or any Man United player going to say, well, we're just a championship club now? And start thinking like that? Of course they're not. I know. Like, Somebody might say it's an extreme example. It's not because we've been, we've been relegated to two divisions. If I, was saying, if I was just saying like Man United, if we've been <coughs> relegated to the championship and didn't accept it, then the Man United comparison is ridiculous. But we've yeah. been relegated two divisions to yeah. a division that we've only played in once in our 140 years history. I just think the, the idea that, you know, it's it's arrogant uh, to kind of say, well, you know, you, you're not a, you're not a League One club even though you're playing in League One. It's just, it's incorrect. I just, I just think it's logic. You look at it, that that's a Premier League infrastructure. And like, that doesn't mean you deserve to be in the Premier League, by the way, but you can't run a Premier League setup. I like like uh, you know like 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 a league one setup. You can't apply the same principles. Um, I think you have to. I think what it is, Gareth. You have to divorce the the two parts. You have to divorce the.
club, the institution, um, with its rich history and the titles that were won and the two FA Cups, etc., etc., from the team that you're watching week in, week out. This Sunderland Football Club is not a League One football club, but this team that we're watching week in, week out now is a League oh, One team. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. And that is... And, and, and so you can't expect this team to you know, waltz away with, with League One because they're not good enough. But the fact that Sunderland Football Club is in League One is also not yeah. good enough. And what I would but what I would say on that is going back to, you know, Stevens Man United analogy slightly. And I know the circumstances are different, you know, in, 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 in the relegations and it's completely hypothetical. But if Man United got relegated to the championship, they're not going to spend one point two five like we did. We spent one point two five million on players. One of them was James Vaughan, who was gone by January, and one of them was Jason Steele. And the less said about that, the better, you know. And they're not going to sign a raft of players on free transfers, um, who basically reject from other clubs and try and build a team out of that, you know, from a group of players who are nowhere near good enough because they're not going to challenge. They would be thinking we need to get back up as soon as possible here. When you go into League One, as yet. Yeah, I think you know when you look back at the job Jack Ross did in those early days, especially bizarrely, he was doing better when he had less fewer options available to him. Um, and as soon as he got more players to play with, it's that's when it seemed to become a, a bit difficult for him. But you know we we're a week we, you know we're a weaker team than we were last season. I yeah, thought we'd we'd do a lot better this year um, because I don't think the divisions are strong, but. There's not. I mean, you look at the wide areas as a as a key thing. You know, we we don't have anywhere near enough options in those areas to to. You know, we don't have enough variety, and we certainly don't have enough depth. Because if you obviously Lyndon Gooch is out, so you've got what Aidan McGeady, um, Duncan Watmore, who's kind of in and out because he's still coming back from that injury, and you've got Chris Maguire, who wherever he plays, you never know what you're going to get, and he looks a bit better playing in behind. Um, so it, it's kind of it's, it's still all a bit patched up and I, I just think you know and, and yes we did spend that money on Will Grigg and there'll be debate about that but that doesn't you know that kind of papers over the cracks I think off the field a little bit and saying well we paid that money for Will Grigg so it proves you know we can you know compete to a level and we did throw money at it we paid money for you know Jack Baldwin well Jack Baldwin's in, in the fourth division at the moment um, you know, we've paid money for Luke Nine, we've paid money for George Dobson, that's fine. I'm not saying that you need to go out and recruit players for money, but what you do need to do is throw your weight around a bit, identify the best players, um, and then go and get them, or go and get some of them. I think that, that it's up for debate, certainly, in the summer. Are you telling me that Conor McLaughlin's a good option at right-back? based on what we saw last season, what we needed after letting, you know, Adam Matthews go. No, like he absolutely is not what we needed. Um, and you can say that in the other areas we've strengthened, I would argue, we, we you know, we've, we've strengthened poorly. And I guess what we don't know, Gareth, is, is you know, what was the budget that was available? Um, what we know is is that, um, you know, Lee Catamol, Brian Oviedo, George Honeyman left in the summer. And what what was it? Six free transfers, two loans, and and one player that they paid money for, Dobson. So there was clearly very, very little money spent 
in the summer. And I know that, that Jack Ross felt all summer frustrated that he was never given a budget. He was well, never, he was never <clears> said, nobody ever said to him, right, this is how much money you've got to spend this summer. And if you don't have a budget given to you, you know, a figure given to you, then how do you know how to how to divvy it up when it comes to bringing players in? And, and you've also and that, and that was, a lot, yeah. lot of that was t- taken up with the with a failed takeover. And you, you've also got to look at it was a takeover, was it, or was it investment, James? It, it was the T word. <laughs> it, it was a take. It was it, it was a takeover, and it fell through. And you know whatever anybody wants to say about FPP as well, that was supposed to be a takeover. So don't let. Don't let that, uh, you know, slide by. It was due to be a takeover, um, and it's now been downgraded to investment. But the interest, there's interesting comments coming out as well this week about how you know there's budget in January, but that's nothing to do with FPP. Regardless, that's fine. But going back to your point, James, why wasn't there a budget in the summer, but there is in January? I mean, you could speculate about why that is. You know, I'm not going to say, you know, you can't say for sure. And I'm sure that, you know, there'll be people out there, you know, would, you know, have an answer for that, that the pe- people who aren't here. So I'm not going to, like, start speculating, but it just seems a bit strange that, you know, I do feel as though being told that there's all this money there. Um, and then as time goes on, it kind of appears that it isn't. Um, and again, it's speculation, but I think, you know, the expectations set from the money that was available at the start of the of the um, the process um, when when the new owners came in um, is very very different. Being picture being painted now in that you know that you know we've only got enough money we have we've only got enough money to keep us sustainable at League One level, which is kind of the words that have come out. You know to paraphrase well, you know my question would be, if you only ever had enough money to run us at this level, then you know why. Why actually get involved to the extent where you own a full football club that has never resided at this level for any like for longer than one season? Because the expectation level, along with the running costs of the football club, are going to exceed um, what you can deliver. Um, and I get that you know the idea was always there that we we're going to try and look for other investment. And that's fine, but it does come across as a little bit of a a little bit of a gamble um, yeah. because if it goes wrong like it kind of has and people I'd, I'd like to you know if people want to tweet us afterwards and tell us what they think if you don't feel this is going wrong then what 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 is getting better because at the moment it's it's this is it's worse it's getting worse so we need to i think we need to sort of unpick that a bit and well i think what we have to what we have to, have to accept gareth is that last season people were disappointed and understandably so that that the club missed out on automatic promotion and then missed out on the promotion via the playoffs this season the team looks a long long way even from from that level at this at this point you know and I've and I've said in in print before they don't look anything like automatic promotion contenders this season last season they were in the automatic promotion race right up to the last week of the season uh, when when they fell away um and at the moment you would say that they're just one of a number of clubs vying for a playoff place so they they have gone backwards there's no there's no doubt about that and i think that possibly people that felt that jack ross was the handbrake on that this team should be romping away at the top of the table and jack ross was the handbrake on that are now seeing that it's actually the not the manager that was necessarily to blame. It's actually a limited group of players. I, I remember saying in, in the in the build-up when they were looking for a new manager, 
that you don't know whether a, a manager's underperformed with a set of players um, until someone else has had a go. It's a bit like they say with cricket, isn't it? You don't know whether it's a, a decent score till both teams yeah. have batted. Um, now we're seeing Phil Parkinson have a go, and, and I'm, I'm not having a go at Phil Parkinson. I, I think yeah. we're still in the very early days of, of his, his reign. He's only been here about three weeks. He's had a lot of games, no time, virtually yeah. no time to work with the players on the training ground, so fair enough. But we're now seeing that, that with the players that he's got to work with, getting results is not easy. It's certainly not no. the case that suddenly they're rocketed away. And to use a, another cricket analogy, you tend to find that the wicket get to worse. Yeah. The more you play on it and, you know, it's day four and it's starting to turn, basically, <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> you know. So and Neuralith runs up the other end. <laughs> so he's probably got a, yeah. a canny job on his hand. I think you were, you were mentioning about, about finance and money. One of the things that's often referred to um, is the size of the club's wage bill. They talk about this, the size of the club's wage bill and, and how, it sh- how competitive it should be given the size of its wage bill. But it's not the size of the wage bill. It's not the size of the, of, of the salaries that you're paying out. It's what you're getting in return. I mean, okay, so, so Sunderland's wage bill is approximately £10 million a year. Well, you could go in and give every player double their money tomorrow, but it won't make them twice the player, will it? No. You know, the, the fact is, the fact is, okay, you, you're paying... Ten million pounds, roughly, as the annual wage bill. But are you getting value for money? Because the answer is obviously not. Because the teams that are at the top of the table and are getting better results than Sunderland are obviously paying less money, and they're getting better results. So, so it's not it's not how much you pay; it's what you get in return. Mm-hmm. And and people employed at the club as well to to do that job. Um, is that starting to get questioned for the first time now? Because we need to look at, we need to dig deeper. Like we, like you know, like we've already said, we can't just have a go at Phil Parkinson, who's still quite new to it. And we say, well, if we get told from from day one, uh, you know, well, we've got the biggest budget in this league by far, and we all we all got our bellies tickled. We did, and um, and we got told the biggest budget in the league by far. Don't worry about that and all that stuff. And then now it's just starting to to turn around and saying, well, you know, you got to understand where you are. Your league one, so. Why is the recruitment not being better? Do we start to look at who's employed? No, I know that. I know that. They're saying that who's now. qualified yeah, yeah. for the job. I know that they're saying now that well, we're going to improve these improve these areas. You know, now we've got this investment. We're going to like start putting a scouting team in place. It's just like it's. What did we say? Like, what has been our downfall over the last few years? poor recruitment poor recruitment and it transpires we don't really have a recruitment team and that and I know there might be circumstances again as to that and it can be challenged and that's fine but as a fan looking at that situation you're like what like how how can like how can we be in league one and be in a worse situation from a recruitment perspective than we were in the the Premier League what what amazes me is that um uh, I know that now the now they've got the investment and now they're starting to recruit more scouts and they've just recruited the uh, new Scandinavian scout. But before then, um, the club only had one full time scout on its books. I mean, I just find that that staggering. I mean, obviously there'll be other people that, that do bits here and there, but one full time scout. I mean, it's just you can and see. He found the time to find Lawrence to Bocknell. Give him uh, credit for that. But you know you. Jack Ross has been saying since the moment he arrived at the club that more structure needed to be put in place, and it's only now, you know, since since he's left the club that finally the money's arrived to to do that. But arrived a, from elsewhere, 
and it's arrived from elsewhere. It's arrived. It's arrived from from FPP, and yet you know we're we're told that it's going to be used to fix lifts and speakers and things. This isn't the message that fans want to hear, and it's not the message we got last season. Um, you know, I, I accept that those things need doing, but they don't cost eleven million pounds. Um, or ten million pounds, nine million pounds, whatever you, whatever figure you want to put on it. But you know, you're not going. I keep saying eleven, and I mean nine. But anyway, um, you know, that's it's it's not what fans want to hear. They don't want to hear about new speakers and new lifts at the academy and this, that, and the other. Fans expect to see something in return. Now they're not going to see millions of pounds spent in January, not least because the salary cost control means that, you, that that's not possible. Under the current thing, you got to it relates to the size of your turnover. The the extra money that comes into the club doesn't class as turnover, so mm. so it's not going to make a difference to what you can spend on wages. You're going to have to wheel and deal. Um, to the wage bills in, in January, but this is the thing, and we're told that the wage bill's been vastly reduced, and we've got room to wiggle in. Yeah, and then when people question why aren't we doing this, it's well, it's because of the wa- it's because of the wage cap. It's like, well, yeah, which one is it? Yeah, which one is it? Like we can't beat the top, we can't beat the top of the wage cap after getting rid of all of our high earners in the summer. Like you know, we got. Well, there might still be because I think you know they were ridiculously high earners. The ones that got rid of in the summer weren't they? I think by League yeah. One standard, I still think we're yeah. probably paying. Oh, we we will be paying oh, more than anybody be, else oh, will be paying. Ab- Absolutely, totally agree. Absolutely. I mean, under the original business plan, you mm. know, Lee Catamol and Brian Oviedo were supposed to leave the summer before, so. You know they've they've carried those players for an extra twelve months and paid those those salaries out. So well, again, um, it's a question to ask. We don't know that. Are we still paying for these players? I mean, we need to ask the. It's a question that needs to be asked. And you know, have we sent away? You know, Pete, like like Lee Catmull, for instance, and is he still taking a wage out of the football club? We don't we don't know that. You know, we and this is where deep. But the thing is, it's okay to speculate on that because this is the way deals in the past have been structured for these types of situations. Yeah. We've seen it. They won't, obviously, in Dong and Gillibaudry, different cases, they essentially were sacked. You know, we didn't sack Lee Catamore. We didn't sack Brian no. Oviedo. We, we haven't, we've, we've released players, essentially. You know, but there'll have to be some financial settlement involved in there. You know, you can call it what you what you like. Whether the, whether the, whether that's been spread over a period of time, whether it was given as a lump sum at the time, how it, however it's been done, there's been some kind of financial settlement. Because if Lee Catamol has a has a contract that's worth a couple of million pounds a season at Sunderland, you don't just walk away from from that. No, do you? Absolutely um, not. You, so he's going to want at least. I don't know. I mean, you, I'm, make, I'm thinking of figures off the top of my head. You're going to want some of that money, aren't you? You might not ask for every single penny, but you, you, you're going to want some of that. Now, has that been given as a lump? Has it been given? Have they been told that it'll be paid over a, a period? If I don't know paid, the answer to that. If it is paid over a period, could could it be argued that there's an element of kicking the can down the road a little bit, which is what kind of the situation that the current ownership kind of inherited, really, where kind of all this legacy issues had been kind of forward loaded and then. When it all exploded, it's like, well, now these people have got to pick up the bits, and this is the mess we've got to clear up. But it's unfair to speculate, and they're not here to defend themselves. Yeah. So, but at the same time, it does feel as though we're making we're making exactly the same mistakes as we did when we were in the Premier League, but we're in League One, and we're make, we're making the same mistakes yeah. again. We we we're, we're doing. Like it, like like it, it, I mean, it, it starts at the recruitment and. You know, like in, in because, like you say, the point you make is absolutely 
valid. It's, it's compartmentalized. There's two different elements to it. The team on the pitch is a League One team, um, and the club isn't a League One club. You can recruit players to get you out of League One, and they might say, "Well, we have. We've signed this player. We've signed that player." It's it's become apparent that the players we've brought in do not are not suitable. And the lack of scouting system that we've got in place that has now transpired has been revealed. We're going to bring these scouts in and everything's going to get better. That's fine, but we need it to be better 18 months ago yeah, because you, yeah. can't appro- you can't approach it's everything. League One. You can't approach League One. like You can't hack your way out of it and then if it goes wrong, recover, recover. You had to approach it and right, we need to get out of here at the first time of asking, we've got the money to do this, let's put the structure in now and then at least we can bring players in. Yeah, we might not be in the summer, but we could have, stre- you know, we brought... Painful to watch Grant Ledbetter. I mean, it's really sad. Like, I thought that was, and this is going to sound really harsh, but that performance again, Leicester, is a retirer of a performance. Like, I would, you could cry yourself to sleep of, an, of a performance because he was absolutely... They had the mick taken out of him by some kids. Like, that's how I felt watching and I thought I fell for him because he couldn't. He, he was just getting the mick taken out of him and I thought, like, there's players played such a high level for his throughout his career and he's come back here and like if we'd gone up last season at least he could have gone well I had that moment and that's been that didn't happen and now he's he's I mean Toyland's an understatement I mean McGee as well I mean in that Leicester game disgusting like it, and, and like it was, did, it was just a rank poor performance I know we're talking about Leicester when we should be talking yeah. about Gillingham I guess and, but I just think it. I think you're right James what you say about it's the week it's not that individual yeah. game yeah uh, but I mean, I mean, I don't blame Parkinson for for the defeat against Leicester. The team that he picked should have been oh, yeah. good enough to win Absolutely. that game. There were six full internationals started that match, Absolutely. and two more came in on off the bench. Um, and people will talk about tactics and systems, but you know that that team should have been able to play four three three, four four two, you know five three two, whichever way you want, whichever way you want to play. That team should have been able to play it and win that game. And the fact that they didn't says a lot about the players rather than the manager in, in, in my view and you look at what's I mean we would they didn't talk, look like a t- they didn't like a team of fringe players who, who were busting a gut to prove a point did they? We, we were talking about like Kim Yoga at the game and I mean this is a game he, this is the the kind of players he plays against all the time it's not like he's been chucking against an experienced league one team he was playing against team, players that he plays against he's probably played against them yeah. two or three times three or four times Benji's and he a, looked, he I mean, looked you, you, absolutely out of his depth. I mean, you've seen, you've seen Benji at Appleton as I have, and he's a he's a firework of of a player. You know, you you don't know what you're going to get from him at any given moment, and at times it can be fantastic. As you know, he, he scored scored the goal against Liverpool on on Sunday. Um, you know, really neat touch, really neat turn, really you know neat finish. But at the same time. Other, he, he can drive you to distraction because he doesn't have the discipline to play in a certain role. He's quite hard to. It must be very hard to to coach. coach. At, I think um, you know you, if you say to him, right, I want you to play on the right side of midfield as, as they did against Leicester, and this is the job that I want you to do, and he, he struggles with that. He, he can yeah. do what he's good at um, in fits and starts, but if you tell him you want him to do this, he doesn't tend to have that that dis- discipline to to carry that role out. And now we've got, you know, you look, you know, rewind a year again and the narrative around Josh Madger and what happened there and, you know, this this player, he's like, you know, he's messing us around, he's holding us to ransom. 
his form will dip off if we'll get rid of him and all this. He's been he was excellent during January. I, I haven't got stats up, but I remember like you know the Charlton game. He had a really good game. I think he scored. It was the last period Scunthorpe away. I think he scored in that game. Yeah. Um, he scored a Blackpool New Year's. Scored Day. a Blackpool New Year's Day. He carried on getting goals. He did. Didn't he right he did. The end of the month. And and you know now we're would now we're being kind of held to ransom by Benji Kimiyoka's agent over a new contract. And there's a player, a player who doesn't even know how to play the position that he's he's in, and it's it's. I mean, that's that's a drop. That that's a drop. Like people, like I get that people want to be positive and get that people want to be excited, and it's great that the money's come in from from the the new um the the new investors, and you know it's going to do this and it's going to do that, and it should be like an upward trajectory and all that. I get that, and I get that people want to be positive, but like you say, James, ultimately you need a team on the pitch. That's going to deliver results to get you out of this division. We could probably take the approach of taking the League One in the Championship, yeah. and maybe the thing to do is kind of on reflection, just get at hack your way out of League One. Maybe I don't know if it's overspend the right words might not be the right one, but I don't know, but maybe we just need to try and like buy our way a little bit out of that league right from the outset. Get out and then level. Then you go right. We're in League One now. I know it's a gamble, and people could say, "Well, we could. We might not have gone up if we'd done that." And I know people will point to Greek as an example of that, but that was he was one player and he was an exception. And how that transfer came about, you know, is a whole other story. Is a whole other story anyway. So, but if you, but you know, you talk about the the money that's come in, the FPP money, and. Um, you know, it's, it is welcome, and of course it is. People have been waiting for this investment, and now it's arrived. The question is, what's going to be done with it? And we hear it's going to be used to tackle infrastructure problems. There's going to be some more recruitment staff. There's going to be money put into the academy. But a lot of the things that, that are going to need to be done with that money um, are reversing things that have already been done. So um, then, when Stuart and Charlie came, they made cutbacks in the academy, and now those cutbacks, some of those cutbacks, are going to have to be reversed because otherwise the academy wouldn't get Category 1 status. So, you know, you, you make some people redundant and now you suddenly think, oh, I need a this and a that and a the other in terms of staff or else we haven't got the requisite amount of staff that, that you need to be graded as a Cat 1 academy. So there doesn't seem to have been any plan, really. There just seems to have been, right, we need to save this money, let's make these people redundant. And then you think now, 18 months later, uh, now we need some more people because we'll, we're in danger of losing the Cat 1 Academy status. Let's hire some more people. It, there doesn't seem to be any, you know, any strategy behind it. And that's what, that's what worries me. Um, and I'm, it'd be interesting to see what happens with this, um, with this money because people are going to obviously want to, want to know where it's going to go and what, they're gonna, what fans are actually going to see for that money. Um, and I don't know if you're going to see very much. Are people concerned? Well, oh, I think the tone cons- of the podcast suggests where, that there might where, be a level of concern. Tell me how, where you are on the concerned scale. I'd be more concerned if we hadn't had the investment for different reasons. Um, at the start of the season, I thought we'd definitely get promoted. Now I feel as though we probably won't get promoted we'll get the the thing is we'll get to the playoffs because the league is so weak in my opinion yeah we, we and, probably and, will you know it could be, could be sixth but I think we'll get to the playoffs and then then you, you, 
remember how close Doncaster were to knocking out Charlotte in the playoffs? They were apparently kick away from it. Yeah, I mean, so it, you know, it, it can happen, but it's not you know hardly driven with enthusiasm yeah. here. But you can't be like you know, we can if you get on a run of results, but we haven't seen, we haven't seen from this group that they're capable of stringing a series of wins together um, on a consistent basis is what you, which is what you need to do. And we've said we've seen more. Def- Turn one run draws into defeats rather than turn one run draws into victory. Um, you know we're not scoring as many goals, we're conceding more goals. You know it's a downward trajectory. So to turn that around, it's going to be tough. And to be fair, like to Phil Partinson, like you know it's fair to say that most of the members of Wiseman say probably weren't. It wouldn't have been the manager that we'd have chosen. Um, and everyone will have their opinion on who they'd like as a manager, but. I think it'll, you know, he has shown signs where he's tried to do the right things, but like you say, James, you know, it's a shame for Jack Ross. Maybe the same excuses weren't afforded for him that are being made for Phil Partinson now. Because like you're saying, it's like when both, you know, two people have had a go. You look into the group and thinking, well, maybe the, it, it is a problem with the with the squad now. That means the next the next two or three months are absolutely massive for the football club. Because they've got to make sure that they're recruiting the right players for what for what we need to get out of the league, give ourselves a chance of getting out this season. If it isn't this season, make sure there's the bones of something to build around in the summer. Um, and but it's, bear in mind how, how close Sunderland came last season uh, and how far away, or oh. comparatively far away, they, they look now. Um, you know, what do you think the the atmosphere would be if Sunderland missed out this season? I think they'll I think they'll finish in the top six, the same as as Stephen was saying. By the way, I think they're a top six team, not a top two team, top six team. Um, but what do you think the the feeling would be if the team was to spend a third season in League One? I think it would be really damaging. Yeah, but the crowds would dip significantly. I think, I think. well, because well, we don't even you know we don't even get. The charm offensive anymore? Where you come out and, and tell us how great we are? We're now we're now we're getting veiled digs at the fans instead, uh, and the suggestion that I forget the parachute payments uh, stop after this season the, as well. The, the, the suggestion that the fans are in any way, shape, or form to blame for where they are now is utterly ridiculous. And if you're going to keep coming out and saying stuff like that, it's only going to get worse. And you're not doing your battle cries anymore, and you're going to be losing ten thousand on the gates next year. So that's a nice positive end of the podcast, isn't it? Is that the end, is it? I think so. What I would say is... Can't take any more, (laughs) Stephen. What I would say in the summer, though, in in the summer, um, you know, say we're still in League One, you know, that's when... But regardless of what happens, there'll be conversations with the investors, ultimately. They're not going to... I don't think they're going to pull the plug. So they've they've put some money in. How they progress things, you know, from their perspective, we don't know what their intentions are. No, it's being asked, and it's being told. Well, if you want to, if you want to know, ask them. But I, I haven't got, you know, Glenn Furman's telephone number, so I can't. Um, so if anybody does, you know, <laughs> feel free to you know pass that on, and we'll we'll try and get in touch with them. Um, but you know, it's a flipping point but you know it's it's true you know we, we have to again we, we can speculate on what might happen and you know what might what might happen is um you know maybe Stuart and Charlie may, maybe they'll feel as though if they don't go up this season they'll be looking more aggressively to to exit the project we don't know that 
Um, so yeah, I, I think you know the the worrying thing for for me is is I've I've seen the comments this this week and I've had the answers myself as well <coughs> that, that, that how the money's come into the club via Madrox and the exact terms between um, uh, Stuart and Charlie and Juan and and the FPP group uh, are none of the fans' businesses essentially and and um, it's private and I don't agree with with that I think that. Madrox is is the the owner of the club. Its only asset is is the club. This money's been put in. You can't. You don't. The money hasn't been donated to them. Uh, it must have been secured against something. Um, the question is, um, what exactly um, have FPP got got for their money? At some point, Madrox are going to have to file accounts. Which point, it won't be private anymore. It won't be none of the fans' business because it will be public. It will be a. a registered at company's house obviously they can change the accounting date to kick that into the long grass a bit further but it'll have to be done eventually um so why not just tell people now um just just tell people me up, up front you know Stuart and charlie came in on you know surfing a a wave of of transparency this is when fans need transparency so let's have that transparency tell tell people what, what's going on um i i feel like i've, I've been quite um uh, you know, downbeat about things tonight, and that, and that is the way that I feel. Not just because of performances on on the pitch, but because of what's going on off the pitch. Uh, I'll try and try and finish on a more positive note. I mean, we're looking at, at where um, uh, at where Sunderland are now after after the Scunthorpe game. Phil Parkinson's got a week essentially to work with the players, and we'll hope that things pick up from there. I think that having made the decision to to remove Jack Ross, then. I think Phil Parkinson is as good as anybody they could have brought in, somebody who, who knows how to get out of this division and has done it before. And there's no reason to believe that he won't improve things in the longer term at the club. Whether that'll be in time this season, I'm not I'm not sure, but let, let's all hope that, that he can because that's that's what everybody wants. Whether whether you whether you're you're worried about the situation and expressing it openly now or whether you're you know, you're you're an optimist and you're saying, Oh, everything's fine, don't worry about it. There's you know, there's Ten million pounds been put into into the club, and we should all be happy about that. Whichever way, you want the best for the club. You want the club to succeed. Um, and it's just a qu- question of how you get there. Answers on a postcard. I'm depressed now. Yes. I mean, even I'm depressed. And I've, tried, and I've tried to lighten the mood. Yeah, yeah. Stevens had his like hands on his head for the entire <laughs> the thing, as, as James can testify. Uh. He has, but you know, you know, you could, you could you, you tell you what the things you could do to brighten your day are. Firstly, head over from the terraces.co.uk and use your oh. WMS ten code to get what a lovely link. new bit of clubber. Or alternatively, well, both actually do both. Buy a ticket for five pounds for the live show on sixth of December, Friday sixth of December at Fausto Coffee. Tickets available from wisemancy.co.uk. Guest is Stephen Elliott. Don't leave it till the last minute. It's still a month to go, but it always happens. It sells out, and then people start like going, "Oh, is there a spare kicking about?" Mm. It'll be nice and intimate and cosy, and there'll be beer, so it'll be good. And <laughs> we can all drink our sorrows away. Get it done. Thanks for listening. <laughs>